0: Let's pray, Father. We embark upon a uh, study of Your Word, and we pray that as we do so, that You would walk with us, that You would be uh, our teacher, that we trust God, that You tell us that Your Spirit is with us, that You will lead us. Your Spirit will lead us into all truth. And so, Father, we pray for that. We pray that we would see You as You wish to be seen, uh, from the very first page of Scripture uh, to the very last. And we ask, Lord, that You would help us also. To see ourselves uh, as you would have us to see us, uh, and that you would uh, bless us with the knowledge of how we might bridge that gap between ourselves and you, and actually give thanks for you for how you have bridged the gap in Christ. We pray to you, Lord, in His name, trusting your power and your presence. Amen. Amen. All right, friends. So we uh, are beginning a series that will really, pretty much, take us till May or beyond, perhaps. Um, it's called the Essential 100. So we're going to go through. We're not going to take a hundred weeks to do it. We'll probably every week we'll probably cover two or three. Uh, occasionally we'll just cover one. Uh, like when we get to the Ten Commandments, we're going to just uh, do one. But there's this book, and, it, and it's a um, suggestion $10. You're going to have $10 on you, but you want to take it this week. Take one, bring, bring $10 ne- next week. Dollar. Paddle, paddle uh, he'll, he's, he said the uh, drink's on the house. So, um, But we would, uh, we would love uh, for you to take this and follow along with us. Um, what I'm really going to be doing, so it's 50 in the Old Testament, and then we you know just working that way, 50 in the New Testament. So, but this semester will primarily be in the Old Testament, and uh, we may even only, I I think as I've got it mapped out, we'll get to about number 35 or so uh, by Thanksgiving. And um, and we will be really trying, I've had a lot of people tell me, I don't know how to read the Old Testament. It just seems boring. It just seems confusing to me. Uh, How can God be so violent in the Old Testament and so loving in the New Testament? And that is a question that's been asked since Jesus. So um, we, those are really normal, really, um, really answerable questions, and so we want to be um, seeing that. We won't answer every question every time, but we'll be getting, uh, hopefully, hitting your questions over the course of the semester. I would love to get your feedback um, because it's whether is we had in the past just kind of covered one. Uh, little passage. This time we're kind of covering big swaths. So you can follow along. It's gonna do, um, I'm going to try to give you each week a, a little handout that says this is what we're doing next week. So you can read the scripture passages ahead of time. It might be really helpful if you brought a Bible. I know Episcopalian bringing Bibles to church, that sounds, I, I mean, come on. But, uh, well, yeah, yeah, with the stars uh, A-plus student back there with his Bible. Um, but I think it would be good. You don't have to t- show anybody. You just have it on your phone. You look like you're texting, but you're actually doing the work. So um, so look, download it. Download it on your phone. There's an app called YouVersion. There's a, a whole bunch of other ones um, out there. But get the Bible on your phone, your iPad, or something like that. Bring that or bring your actual real live paper printy print in the uh, Bible. That would be great. So um, the, the way that I will approach, when I approach a I've never really done a study like this, but the way I approach the Bible myself is that it's not just a um, collection of stories. Uh, it is one story uh, told from beginning to end uh, about God and His relationship with humanity. Uh, or Maybe even more broadly, His relationship with creation. How did God... Um, how did God have a, a relationship. Why do we have a relationship with God? It's the, the, the Old Testament is the story of God's uh, interaction with humanity. Humanity's uh, insufficient quest uh, to reach God. God's um, sovereignty, His justice. And then, how do we bridge that gap? Well, that's the story of the New Testament. That Jesus uh, came as God incarnate, and uh, He came uh, for us and to us, and uh, on our behalf, and then the rest of the New Testament, explaining that. So uh, until we get to Revelation, and um, then I'm going to ask somebody else to teach. Um, no, I'm just kidding. We, um, no, then we um, we look for the age to come. So um, I hope that I'm. Mean, I plan on learning a lot uh, in this, but I hope that you will uh, as well. Uh, as we approach Genesis, uh, what one thing that might be really helpful for you to know is that Genesis 1 through 11 are universal in their scope. They are about all of humanity. Uh, God and His creation, the story of Noah, the story of um, uh, the Tower of Babel. And uh, they are—they uh, have something to say about uh, all God and humanity. And then in Genesis chapter 12, the focus narrows dramatically to... God and His relationship with Abram, who becomes Abraham, who becomes the father of well several religions, uh, but uh, the multitude and the God's people. So, um, so we will for the next two weeks we will take a look at uh, this universal section Genesis one through eleven, and then we will begin as the Bible does to look at the story of God's interaction and how He establishes His people and what he uh, commits to them, what he expects of them, and then how do they do with that? Spoiler alert, not great. So, um, so we want to begin. You probably know, just from your life, you know Genesis uh, chapter 1, or at least parts of it, um, and you, you wouldn't be able to s- say the whole thing, but you know how it, how it goes. You know that very famously... Uh, It starts, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There is, uh, in Genesis, in the Bible really, there is no apologetic, there's no defense of whether or not God exists. He just exists. It is asserted that God is there. He's already there in the beginning. Uh, I had a child come up to me after the 1030 service last week. And um, his parents said, "He's got a question for you." <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, he had a question for them, and uh, and then and then uh, that happens sometimes. And, um, and he said, "He said, this is my mom and my dad, but who is God's mom and God's dad?" I mean, it's a great question. Your kids may have asked you that. Um, and I'm not exactly, and that that was like exactly, but that was the question. How did God start? <clears throat> And I said, guess what? God didn't start. God always was. There was never a time when God wasn't. He was there before the beginning. And he said, whoa. (laughs) He's like six. He gets it. Totally got it. (laughs) Whoa. That's the right response, you know. So in the beginning, God created. Uh, Just this assertion that God is there. He is eternal in the sense that he has no beginning. He has no end. Um, and, and, and we'll talk about, when we get to the creation of humanity in just a few minutes, we'll talk about uh, the fact that he didn't actually need to create anything. His whole act of creation is a gift to his creation, a gift of, of grace. He wasn't up there crying, saying, I'm just so lonely, I need somebody. He was God. He was perfect. He was you know, super uh, um, relational within himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we have it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was, was without form and void. So it's just this kind of chaos, mass, uh, or maybe not a mass, just this floating mist or whatever it is. Without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, one way that you can understand that word hovering Is fluttering. And in fact, there was a rabbinical translation uh, back really at the time of Jesus that said, that translated this, the Spirit of God was fluttering like a dove over the face of the waters. Which is really cool and poetic. Until you get to the baptism of Jesus and you see the Holy Spirit come down on Jesus like a dove. And I just, here is at Jesus' baptism a direct. And we we missed it because we weren't there, but they would have understood a direct relation from the old creation, the first creation, to new creation at baptism that the Holy Spirit coming uh, upon. So I don't need to go through uh, every day of creation. I'm going to, I'm going to, I mean, I don't need to read it from Scripture. We're going to talk about it. But what you may know is that there are actually two accounts of creation in Scripture there is Genesis chapter 1. And there's Genesis chapter 2. Actually, the first account goes into uh, about the first uh, three verses of chapter 2. And the first one is like this orchestral prelude. You know, like in Star Wars, all of a sudden just... You know, it's just like this. And and it kind of gives you the themes that are going to go through, just like any good orchestral prelude does. Uh, And that's sort of like this is. It's stylistic, it's poetic, it's nuanced... The second uh, Genesis 2 is just kind of earthy. And some would say, you can imagine, some would say that these are just two different uh, creation stories that different uh, ancient tribes have uh, they've been compiled together and maybe they didn't notice that they were two creation stories. They noticed, right? So one is saying this is a, a way to think about God's sort of orchestra, you know, this prelude, and then there's just sort of this earthy way that is kind of how it happened. Now that doesn't mean... And we'll talk about sort of science and, and evolution, and I'm not an evolutionary scientist, we have one of those present, but um, we are, um, we are, uh, I'm not trying to, but I will talk about sort of my own views, and I'd love for you to uh, push back, and, or, or ask me to clarify. So God said, let there be light. God said, let there be light, and there was light. It is important to note that in each day, God says, and there is. There's no, God said, and so his minions got to work, and they drew up the plans, and they wanted to see uh, what the processes were, what was the most efficient. They needed a task manager. They needed a a whole, you know, it wasn't in it. He said it. It happened. His word is his action. His word is his action. So if God says um, over you, you are sanctified. You have been made holy in Christ. His Word is His action. His Word is creative. There's not a process involved with that. You have been sanctified. Now we can deal with how, how that applies in your life and how we work that out, but His Word is His action. So, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now one thing I want you to notice, there was light, but there wasn't sun for three more days. You know, so... So you can see that it's nuanced. And so in fact, there's a light, then there's a separation of the waters. That's sort of a strange thing to understand. You might think, well, why they, they saw the blue sky, and they thought, well, there's water up there, and there's water down here, so there's an expanse between the middle. The expanse was called sky. Well, What makes the sky blue? What makes the sky blue? Water, right? Okay, so... That's how I see it. So, it's a it's a, yeah, it's a fragmentation of the light that makes the sky blue, whatever. So, I, I'm, again, I'm not a scientist. I'm a preacher. But uh, so day two, separation of water. Day three, formation of the land. Right? So there's nothing. And there's light. There's water. There's land. Now, you can see, I've drawn it up here. You can see they, they, the, the, the parallel, the symmetry of it. There's day one. There's light. Day four, there's sun, moon, and stars. Day two, separation of the waters. Day five, fish to fill the waters. Day three, formation of land. Day six, animals and people, things to inhabit the land. Because there's this symmetry to it. Now the way that I see it, and again, I'm I'm no scientist, but the way that I see it, that you have nothingness, then you have this sort of vague formation, then you have land, and you have a sort of light to sort of, I don't know, heat it up, and then you have... um, Things starting in the water, to, and then you have things kind of, I don't know, crawling out of the water and becoming... I just think, like, I'm fine with evolution. Like, I, I don't... I'm, I am I, I think we have to wonder about um, Adam and Eve and, and the first parents, but whatever, however it happened, like, God did it. God made it happen. So if there was a bang, he was the one with the hammer, right? I mean, it was God made it happen. And I don't know how it was. I've never heard anybody explain to me. Um, how life actually started scientifically. There was a bang, chemicals, but what made the life? I don't know. Well, actually the Bible says I think I th- actually think this is pretty compatible. I remember my, um, uh, my evolutionary biology teacher at Wake Forest University holding up the Bible, reading Genesis chapter 1, and saying, we have disproved this whole book. Because he thought, 24 hour periods, that can't happen. I don't think you have to read twenty-four hour periods. I think if you read twenty-four hour periods, like that's, I'm fine with that. Like I'm not. I don't think you're not a Christian, or I'm not a. You know, I don't think it's a litmus test because I think what we're both saying is God is responsible for creation, and if it helps you to understand. Can God? Could God have done it in twenty-four hours? Could He have done it 10,000 years ago? Yeah, I think He could. Have. I don't think He did. I think He did it billions of years ago, but that's just. I think it's fine. So uh, that's the way I sort of handle that in my own heart and mind um, I think this is compatible with evolutionary science as a way it's explained but what is more important to me is that what the Bible wants me to know is that God did it it was his intention, there was a design to it, there was purpose uh, there was um, blessing God looked at it and saw that it was good so I know what I mean, do you know what I mean? Well, ask me, ask me about that I, I push back Questions? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, in the studies I did, mm-hmm. um, the day, form of day used here was not the same word, form of word that was used for 24-hour day. Mm-hmm. And this day means an expanse of time. Right, so Katie said that this, this type of day, the, even the word means expansive time. I don't have anything personally that I know of for sure to, to corroborate that. I, I, I would agree. I mean, I would agree that, with that. Um, and then the seventh day. The seventh day, God uh, Rests. I don't think that God was tired. I don't think God gets tired. Um, I do. Uh, I am. Uh, but I, um, I don't think that God gets tired in that sense. But the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 4, verse 11, talks about this, uh, talks about the rest. And in fact, the author of Hebrews says, strive to enter that rest. He's not saying to strive to go back in time to that seventh day 24-hour period. he says that the rest of God is ongoing. In other words, God has put it in place and he is moving. If all these years later you could and that was you know less than 100 AD, but if all those years later you could then strive to enter that rest, to me that says, well that's a, that's a long period of time which says, well then perhaps the other days are also long periods of time. Yeah, that's just how I understand that. But, but God did it. I think these are uh, epical dates, not 24-hour periods. And I think that they're in line, like I said, with some uh, theory of, of evolution, or compatible anyway. Um, and the Lord saw that it was good. Each, that's the refrain. After each day, the Lord saw that it was good. Good is used many different ways in our vocabulary, right? Pizza, good. This is good pizza. He's a good man. She's a good teacher. This is a good sandwich. That was a good movie. In those, the, the word good means different things in all of those scenarios. And yet, in every scenario, it means it's good because it was pleasing to the one who said it was. I thought that was a good movie. Well, I didn't like it. I didn't think it was good. It was not pleasing to that person, but it was pleasing to the person who said it was good. And therefore, when we look at this, God is saying that His creation was pleasing to Him. But it, was, it, it met His approval. But it, what, it didn't just meet His approval because he, of some standard of goodness outside of God. Because there actually is no standard of goodness outside of God. It met His approval because it expressed Himself. It was good because it was His. It was good because he's the one who created it. He is the standard of what good is. In fact, he's the standard of what love is. He's the standard of what holiness is. There is no standard of that that he meets. He is the standard. Because he's God. By very definition. At the end of, towards the end of chapter 1, God says, Let us make man in our image. After our likeness. Well, that's a problem, isn't it? On several, in several ways. Not, maybe not a problem, but a, a, a puzzle. Uh, let us make man, humanity, in our image. First of all, what does he mean by us? Second of all, what does he mean by image and likeness? We see the plurality of God and we see the image of God. God is described on the very first page of the Bible as plural. And that is important because God is triune. He is and He always has been Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Which means He was inherently communal and relational. And because He is God, because there's no standard outside of Himself, He did not need to create us. He had perfect community within Himself. But He made us, as a gracious God, as a creative God, He made us in His image to be relational. This is why there's two genders, uh, male and female. He created them. We don't... Since He is plural, there is a plurality... To humanity. And it, it takes the plurality of humanity to create more humanity. That's why we're, and in fact, uh, I have heard it said, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, I know even less about Hebrew than I, in fact, far less about Hebrew than I know about Greek, but um, I have heard it said by someone who knows what they're talking about, that that the creation, really in, in Genesis 2, we see the creation of of woman is really being sort of man cut in half. Uh, they were created together and sort of broken apart so that the coming back together is really the essence of the image of God. And I'm not eroticizing uh, the image of God at all, but to say it's the plurality. It's the hetero um, divinity of God. Yeah, I'm not making a political statement there at all, it's, but it's, it's our diversity that makes us like God. And that's an important thing for us uh, to note. Uh, we are told in the New Testament that Jesus is the agent of creation. John chapter 1, in the beginning, John is intentionally making a, a parallel statement there, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is the agent of creation. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. So, how did that those chemicals come together and make life? It's because Jesus said, "Let there be life." He was the light. That His life was the light of men. The image of God. So, God is plural. God is uh, has given us His image. It does not mean God looks like us. We know in John chapter four that God is spirit. That's what Jesus is The woman in the well. Jesus says God is spirit. That we are in His image because we are willful, we are creative, we are relational, we are uh, emotive. So I think that um, I think that is those are some of the ways in which we are created in His image. And. That is important for us to understand. Not only is there original sin, which we talk about a good bit because that is so pervasive in our own life, but there is also original blessing. And so, in fact, I think part of the reason why there is original sin is because we were made for greatness. We are created in God's image. So there is this original uh, blessing. And when humanity is the crown of creation, and when humanity is cre- uh, created, God looks at The whole of creation says it is very good. So it is good, it is good. God looked on it and saw that it was good. It was good all the way through. He looked at all of it. The final uh, building block is creation, is humanity. It was very good. Because we're created for goodness. We're created for goodness. Um, In addition to being the crown of creation, humanity was given dominion over creation. Which in an unfallen world... A world where there is no sin, that's a great thing. We'll share the resources, we'll use them rightly. In a broken world, we've made a mess of things, right? So as having dominion there. Alright, so that's really the first creation account. I'm not going to get to Genesis 3 if I don't keep moving. The second creation account, again, more earthy, more how it happened. There was a void, a mist came up out of the, the, the... there was no. Uh, it says there's no plants. There's nothing on the earth. Just a just a desert. Essentially, a mist came up, created the plants, and then God made a garden. Uh, he created man. Uh, one author that I uh, think a lot of uh, makes a point that, uh, that man was created outside the garden, and then he put. Then he was placed against his will into the uh, organized uh, garden. Um, and, and his his some of you it makes sense to, right? Yeah. So the women were created inside the garden. They loved. Um, well, that's. I don't need to go any further with that. Um, I will step in it. Um, but God created a man and gave him life, and then He made a garden and put the man in it with one rule, just one: do anything you want, but don't eat that tree, the tree of the knowledge, of good and evil. And then, it's not good for man to be alone, so he creates woman, and uh, the man looks at the woman and says, this is um, uh, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. The better translation of that is, whoa. Um, when he, <laughs> and um, it's just bad. Just, 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 uh, academic. academic. Um, and they were both naked, and they were not ashamed. Because without sin there is no shame. It's very important for us to know. If there is shame, there is sin, and it doesn't mean use your sin necessarily. So oftentimes, sin, sin creates shame. Uh, God instituted marriage before the fall. That was. Um, uh, it is also important for us to understand that marriage was always part of God's plan for His creation. Because it's not good for us to be alone. He gave us to each other. Why did He give us to each other? Because we're in His image. He's plural. We need each other. That doesn't mean marriage is the end-all, be-all. If you're not married, that's, you can have a happy life. But you need friends, you need community, you need your church, you need you need other people. Alright. So, any questions about creation? One or the other account? You tracking with me? Okay. Yes. I've always thought that day seven was the foretaste of the fourth commandment. The Sabbath. Yes. The Sabbath. That, that well, that's where the, thats where it comes from—is that we are to rest because He rested. Uh, we are not to. Um, but I, I, He ceased in one sense to be sort of macro creative. I do think God is still micro creative uh, for sure. But he ceased his sort of macro-creation. He rested. We are to uh, live into that rest. Yes. Yeah, so we're, no, we're to, to stop doing our work for, for a day. And that's actually a great grace to us, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's a gift. It's a gift. If you are um, resting on one, at least one day so that you can do your job and the other things that you have to do um, the other six days of your life, you are obeying God. So, that's good. Yes? You mentioned, I think, the word dominion. Uh huh. Um, that kind of takes not just ruling over, but taking care of. <clears throat> not ruling, not just ruling it. No, that's what I mean. That's, that's absolutely right. The, the well, it would God. be, in it would be as God's representative, right. loving the creation the way we love. We, the only reason we rule over or sort of lord over. Um, Uh, in a destructive way is because we're fallen. We have sin in our life. Okay, I'm going to read Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 through 8 which is commonly called the fall. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Now did God say that? No. God did not say that. In fact, he didn't say that to her. He said it to the the man, so he's, he's, he's going second-hand here. And the woman says to the serpent, Oh, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, the middle of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now notice the progression here. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desired to make one wise. It's an interesting nuanced progression there woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was right there with her and hadn't said a dang thing, and he <laughs> ate too. For it. <laughs> That's, it's a uh, loose translation. Uh, then, as God said it would, then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew... They were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. Being the Lord God that He is, He knew. That's right. That they wanted to Okay. Alright. Why did he put that snake there? there? Yes, mmm. The <laughs> origin of evil. <laughs> so, let me ask you this. What... We'll answer that. All right, well, I'll give you my own theory anyway. What is the first sin? Pride. Pride. Mm-hmm. Doubt. Doubt. So, not eating the fruit, right? Eating the first disobedience. To, to my mind, the first sin here is the first human sin. Is the decision to think, I know better than God does about what's good for me, mm-hmm. or maybe God is holding out on me. I mean, there's a couple ways to read, different ways to read this. Maybe God's holding out on me. Maybe I can be like God. Well, who does God think He is holding back on me when I can be like Him? And so there's this confusion about our relationship with God. And I I also see not only the disobedience of Eve, but the absence of Adam as parallel and... Dually complicit uh, in this um, act of rebellion, whether it was a known rebellion or just sort of an accident, surely it can't be that bad. What must it be like to know good and evil? Does that mean that they didn't, they, were, they could commit evil but they wouldn't know it? <clears throat> it seems strange. Why did God put that snake in the garden? You know, as Dorsey said, I do not think that this caught God by surprise. Because as best I can figure, if God was caught by surprise, then then He left scrambling and saying, wait, what do I do now? I guess I'll send my son. Jesus was not plan B. I was really challenged, several years ago now, uh, but when someone who's a real friend to me, friend to me showed me uh, that what we have in Christ as redeemed people is far greater than what we would have had in God had there not been a fall. I do not in any way mean to say that I'm glad that they did what they did any more than I'm glad that you or I fall or, or have that but I think what this is doing is explaining the very essence of sin, uh, not as a uh, acts of things that you are to stay away from nearly as much as it is a, a posture towards God that I know better than you do, God, about what's good for me. And um, And so I think that God always... I mean, I think He designed us to be redeemed. Now, why would He do that? I don't know. But I don't think He thought he was making a perfect creation and ended up with a broken creation that he was going to have to fix. I think he made a creation that he was going to have to fix and redeem to show his own glory, to show his own power, to show his own love. Um, that, that might make some of you uncomfortable. And that's okay. Like, we can talk about it. Um, but that's kind of where I am on it. Because without the fall, we would never have known Jesus as the second person of the Trinity. And so, I'm not. i to be very careful when I say I'm grateful for the fall. I'm not I'm grateful for the redemption. Each of us. So the Bible's a clear indication here is that each of us has inherited that sin. So Adam and Eve, they become uh, imperfect, and it says their broken relationship. They cannot have a child that is is now perfect. So they, uh, that is where imperfection sort of entered humanity. And in fact, what we see if you are to read. Through. We're going to skip over Cain and Abel and that, um, but we're going to talk about Noah next week. But if um, if you look at, I mean, right away humanity is just in the, you know, it's just a, it's a, the first two brothers, one of them kills the other. I mean, it's it's it is, um, totally self-centered, and in Noah's time, as we'll see, it just is completely in the toilet. So um, uh, it is sin. It was it was part of the plan. Uh, and there is, He's created us to be redeemed and to choose Him. So I th- I, I'm happy for you to wrestle with that. I've been wrestling with it for a long time, I'm still wrestling with it in some ways. God comes into the garden calls out, where are you? Again, not a question He didn't know the answer to. Right, he had GPS long before there was iPhones. Um, and this is the very first question, I think, that God asks of people who are far from Him. Where are you? I mean, think of the prodigal son who wakes up in the pig slot. I mean, how could he come to his senses if God wasn't whispering in his ear, where are you now? Where are you? It may not even know it's him, but there's this realization. And, and, and what does we do from sin? There's, uh, we, uh, we hide from God. There is, um, there is shame. There's hiding. Uh, these are the consequences of sin. There is, I mean, God says, what did you What have you done? To Adam, what does he do? You know that woman <laughs> that you gave me, right? What To her, what did you do? You know that snake that you put in the, in the garden? And to the snake, what did you do? He just kind of snickers and slithers off, right? But then, um, uh, and then there's curses that come along with this. And the curse of the snake is what theologians have called the proto-evangel, the first gospel. Where God says to the snake, there shall be enmity between uh, you and the seed of the woman. You, the Enmity, there will be a division, uh, a tension, a um, knocking of heads between Satan and humanity. And you, he shall bruise your head, or in some translations say crush your head, and you shall bruise at his heel. So Satan will always be nipping at us, but ultimately there's one who will crush the head of the snake. You saw Mel Gibson's um, Passion of the Christ in the garden. The snake comes out, and Jesus, as he's walking out of the garden, steps on the head of the snake. That's this. That's that's what. was uh, a really nice uh, image. Childbearing is cursed for the woman. And we know. And we can look at it. It's, childbearing is cursed. It mean there's not wonderful things. It's hard. Many of you have, have lost children. Uh, many I. I you know I've, know, I've known people to carry a baby all the way to term. Several people, actually. And, and losing childbearing is hard. It's painful. It's, it can be destructive. It's it's cursed. Blessed, also. It's cursed. Labor is hard. Work was always a part of the plan, but now it's uh, you shall earn your food by the sweat of your brow. It is a, a burden as much as anything. And yet, there's this beautiful image right at the end of chapter 3 where God makes them clothes. He covers up their shame. And to me, that is as even more explicit uh, word of grace than the crushing the head of the snake. Because God takes their shame and He Himself covers it up, which is the cross. And so in every instance, As you look, as you read through the Old Testament, you can find ways that point us ahead to the Gospel. They may tell us something about God as a forgiving and gracious God. They may tell us something about God as a holy and just God, uh, which tells us something about ourselves, that we are in trouble and we need a Savior. And uh, there's a lot of that going on, but the shadow of the cross is cast even here in the very first pages of the Bible, uh, that there is a problem. And the whole Bible now asks the question how can unholy people have a relationship with a holy God? What are we going to do about that problem? What is God going to do about that problem? And that's the story. And every story fits into that story. That is what the Bible uh, is asking. And of course, the answer is revealed uh, in the cross, where the justice of God meets the love of God and the holiness of God. Uh, meets the sacrifice uh, of God. He stood there in to take his own judgment upon himself so that you and I could have a relationship with him. But the problem is is articulated in the first page of Genesis. It's the bottom button on the shirt of gospel understanding. You miss this one up, when you get to the top, you're going to be right off, right? Just like I was this morning. So... Um, this is where it starts. This is where this is the, the where the stage is set uh, for the gospel right here. Maybe one question. Yeah, Jim. Um, I just wanted to share one thing before you move on. Um, this is something that I had looked at and, and kind of came to realize that um, when God clothed Adam and Eve. He did it with animal skin mm-hmm. um, that was the first sacrifice okay for human sin mm-hmm. he allowed he allowed humans to substitute mm-hmm. their death with that of an animal I can go there that's good all right, so what I'm giving out now is just a, um, just a, a free Jaguar ticket. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll that, you were giving out free Jaguar
1: tickets. the, um, the uh, This
0: is just a, a, a little blurb about next week. And uh, the scriptures, I'd love for you to read those ahead of time. See if that's not there. The uh, Bible, if you want it. And we'll see you next week. Bless you. God bless you. <laughs>